I see from the uh, bulletin that our guest speaker is P.J. McClung, so I must, I must be he. So uh, uh, I'm obviously not Parker Johnson. I, I love our pastor. I appreciate him so much and uh, our church, and uh, I pray for him and his family's health and quick recovery. If you will, uh, you can look in your bulletin, or if you have Bibles, I will encourage you, not because it's anything I say, but I will encourage you to write down the scripture I use today. And every time uh, anybody, any pastor, minister speaks, it's important because it is the word of God and you can go back later and refresh uh, the sermon in your mind as you read the scripture. But this morning our reading is from Psalm 103. I will read, I'll actually go back before that in the sermon, but I'll begin reading in Psalm 103, verse 6 through 14, and then we will pray. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word is good. It's always good. Sometimes when we read it in the privacy of our homes, our offices, um, we, don't, we don't always understand what we're reading. And we recognize that when that happens, uh, it's a combination of many things, part of which would be it might not yet be the time for you by the Holy Spirit to reveal the meaning to us. And then we pray for that time as we read the scripture through again and again that you will say now is the time. And sometimes we, in our ignorance, we say, I finally figured it out. We didn't figure anything out, Father. You gave it to us. Thank you for that. Give us your word this morning. Give us your word. Plant your word in our heart. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you because we have hidden your word in our heart. Father, uh, our brother led us in a, in a wonderful prayer this morning for our sick. We pray again for our sick. There are many. I notice on our prayer list there are many cancer uh, patients. Father, we pray for them. Father, we pray for your word to go forth in power. We pray that you would send a great harvest of souls to the world and especially the United States of America. I say that selfishly. And we pray that you would raise up multitudes of workers for your harvest. And we pray that spiritually the enemies of Jesus Christ would all be made the footstool of Jesus Christ. Bless now your word, Lord. You have sent it forth. I have read it. It has been read aloud. May you bless me in the preaching of it, either speak through me or in spite of me, but in Jesus' name speak, to the glory of God, amen. King David <clears throat> authored this under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He begins this psalm 
by calling his own soul to bless the name of the Lord, listing the benefits received by all who know Jehovah as Lord. I want you to notice, look back if you're in your Bible, notice Psalm 103, beginning in the first couple of verses. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. I want to begin this morning in talking about our forgetfulness. Our forgetfulness. David's first caution to us the redeemed is not to forget. As you age, so I'm told, forgetfulness begins as a slight inconvenience, progresses to a frustrating impediment, and eventually becomes the new normal. I heard about a uh, policeman, a state trooper, pulled over an older male driver. He walks up to the driver's window. Man rolls down the window. He said, sir, do you have any ID? And the fellow said, about what? <laughs> you know, some of us are amused by that. And some of us are going, I don't get it. I, that's, <laughs> that's me. David's first caution, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was to prioritize Forget not all God's benefits. Forget not all God's benefits. The hymn writer, in calling us to count our many blessings and name them one by one, knew that in life's busyness, we would routinely apply grease to the squeaky wheels until the preeminent became trivial and blessings were overlooked. It was Chuck Swindoll, and I don't quote him much, but he said something one day. I was listening to a sermon, and I thought, wow, I want to remember that. Here's what he said. Don't let the urgent take place of the important in your life. Don't let the urgent take place of the important in your life. We readily agree when we hear that, but all too soon we forget. We forget. I'll give you just a very small uh, smattering of, of examples, references of, from the Bible to forgetting. Jeremiah 2.32. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet, says the Lord, my people have forgotten me days without number. Deuteronomy 8.19. Where Moses is warning Israel. And he says, if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods, small g, and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Well, they did, and they did. And not even rulers are immune from forgetting. Proverbs 31, 4 and 5, is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed. Now, decrees include the word of God, the commandments of God, and pervert the rights of the afflicted. So King David instructs us not to forget it is our God who, in verse 3, forgives all our iniquity, all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. If you need something to dwell on, dwell on that. If you need something to occupy your mind, occupy your mind with God's promises. 
Now, the second category, if you're looking in your bulletin, you may wonder, now what in the world is that about? It says God's forgetfulness. God's forgetfulness. I propose to reveal to you a forgetfulness as a positive, not a negative, for which only God qualifies. Drop down to verse 10 of Psalm 103. He, God, does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. So far, so good. Praise the Lord. For, uh, verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. We, we heard that sung this morning. But I want you to notice in particular verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. Focusing on verse 12, I want you to consider something. If you have a world globe at your house, it will verify what I'm about to say. You look at the world globe and you see Earth has a North Pole. Of course, that's where Santa Claus comes from, right? Uh, Earth has a South Pole. I don't know who's there. But there is no East nor West Pole, meaning... In a straight line, east and west continue for infinity. East and west keep going. They don't meet. East and west continue for infinity. Now that's important for what we're talking about. Almighty God, creator of all things, including planet earth, uses this truth to magnify other biblical truths, such as 1 John 1, 9, and some of you know that by heart. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that's a good promise. And that's one I hope that you uh, apply in your own life. God, holy God, separates himself from our sins infinitely and remembers them no more. And here's your best reference. If you hadn't written down a scripture, this is the one. Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah 43, 25. God says in Isaiah 43, 25, I, I am, there's the I am, so, so often through scripture, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, so far so good, be ready for this, and I will not remember your sins. God just says, I will not remember your sins. You know what we call not remembering? Forgetting. God just says, I will forget your sins. You say, is that possible? It's not only possible, it's absolute. Forgetful as we are, humans are unable to perfectly forget. How many times in your life have you had a disagreement with someone and some, somebody else, some friend of yours with the best of intentions says, well, you need to forgive and forget. Can I tell you they're wrong? That's, that is, is impossible for a human being to do. Every time you see that person, it's not, you, you, it's not like, wait a minute, wasn't there something they did to me? I mean, did they, didn't they shoot my dog? I mean, there was something they did. I'm sure there was something, but I, apparently I've forgotten. No, that's not true. Here's what you do. And I want you to remember this. You can't forgive and forget. What you do is, you forgive and you remember it forgiven. You forgive and remember. You don't forgive and forget. 
I had a dear friend. I, I loaned money I didn't really have. It was a, a time of need, and, and, and I actually gave him more than he asked for. And we're very close, still are. And, and, but every time after that, for years, whenever he and I talked on the phone or in person, that was there because he never paid the debt. It was between us. It was the elephant in the room. Called him up one day. I said, something I need to tell you. Just listen. What? I said, you know the amount of money, so-and-so, that I loaned you? Yeah. He got quiet. I said, no, no, no. I gave that to God. I gave that to God. You no longer owe me that. That debt is paid. I will not have it between our friendship. Now we're, we're good friends again. I remembered it forgiven. You see, God doesn't have to work that way because he can perfectly forget. I love how Dr. J. Vernon McGee describes this, this uh, truth about God forgetting our sins. He said, when God forgives our sin, he casts that sin in the sea of forgetfulness and posts a sign on the bank saying, no fishing. That means that your enemy or the accuser of the brethren, the devil, when he brings it up, you say, ah, ah, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven and forgotten, forgiven and forgotten. I want you to hear this with spiritual ears. This is important you understand this concept, and I pray you already do, but just bear with me. When you as a follower of Christ approach God in prayer, the entire Trinity gets involved. Are you aware of that? I mean, there is a scripture that says, when you pray, the first thing God gives you is the Holy Spirit. That's true. Of course it's true, scripture, but, but stay with me. Here's what happens. And, and this is just a paraphrase, so to speak. I just want you to get this in your heart. When you begin to pray, and sometimes remember when you say, Lord, I don't know how to pray about this. It's okay. It's okay. Pray about it anyway. Here's why. First thing that happens is God the Holy Spirit accepts it. And he interprets it. He actually speaks it to God the Son in words you can't speak. He interprets your prayer perfectly. You've been praying perfect prayers all these years in Christ. You just didn't know it. So, so God the Holy Spirit takes your prayer, your feeble, weak, failure-prone prayer, and he presents it to God the Son. Now where's God the Son at? He's seated at the Father's right hand. In the seat of position of power. Okay. Here's what happens. God the Son receives your prayer and presents it to God the Father. He said, Father, this is one of mine. This is so and so. This is one of mine. And in effect, be sure you heard me say that. In effect, here's what takes place. I don't know if I can get through this. God the Father looks at God the Son and he looks at the nail scars in his hands and he looks at the pierced brow where the thorns were laid upon his head and he looks at the holes in his feet and the, and the, and the side where the sword pierced. And do you know what in effect he says? The sacrifice is acceptable. The sin is forgiven and forgotten. Now, if you can't amen, something wrong with you. The sacrifice is acceptable. The sin is forgiven and forgotten. 
Not just forgiven. God doesn't say, well, I'm going to take PJ's sin. I'm going to put it up here on the shelf. That might come in handy one day. One day he's going to be asking me for something. I'm going to say, wait just a minute. Wait, what about back when, when you did so and so? Never, ever happens. It's as if the sin never happened. When God forgets, he, he, only he can forget perfectly, but he forgets perfectly. Praise the Lord. When you, redeemed believer in Christ, come to God in prayer, prayer over that sin, you say, what sin? You know. <laughs> only you know and God knows, perhaps, maybe some others do, over that sin. You know the sin that you go to God with and you say, Heavenly Father, I did it again. I did it again. I asked you to forgive me. I, I asked you to give me victory over this, but I did it again. Listen to me, Christian. In effect, in effect, God says, I have no remembrance of what you're talking about. I have no remembrance of these other hundred sins. Uh, there's no record of those sins. You bring your sin to me. I can perfectly forget. Oh, glory to God. It's enough to make a Presbyterian dance from the waist up, of course. <laughs> Perfectly forgotten, paid for by the blood of Jesus. So can God forget? The answer is, praise the Lord. Yes, perfectly. Perfectly and completely as an act of his righteous will. And I've got one final point on that particular thing. I love this. Shine let me down this morning. I've got to say that. I was going to use his prayer as a reference, and he did not remember. He did not say the word remember. He did not say the word remember in his whole prayer. I think that's amazing. Because I want to ask you something. If you're offended, if you say, I'm offended that you say God doesn't remember. Oh, really? How many thousand times have you prayed, Father, remember sister so-and-so? Remember, brother, so-and-so. I do it all the time. We all do it. And by the way, just so you know, there is a sound biblical reason for doing that. And I'm not going to get into it this morning. I don't have time. But, but it's interesting if we say, God never forgets anything. Why in, in the world do we keep saying, uh, remember this, remember this, remember me, remember them, remember those? Because we forget. He doesn't forget. Third part, praise God, is God's remembrance. <laughs> Verse 13, Psalm 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's us. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Dust. The very next time you blow it, I mean really, really blow it, and you will, just look heavenward and say, thank you, Heavenly Father, that you remember I am dust. Thank you. I heard about a young boy that asked his mother, he said, didn't the, didn't the preacher say Sunday that we all came from dust? She said, yes, he did. Well, didn't he say also that we returned to dust? She said, that is correct. He said, well, I just looked under my bed, and there's a lot of people coming and going. <laughs> 
Can you think of many things less important, less impressive, less significant than dust? That's what we're made of, dust. Dust is so common. And dust is just dust unless it becomes stuck on itself, at which point it's called mud, and that's worse. Settle in your heart your dust. Now understand this, fella, dust. You are created in the image of Almighty God. You are endued with an eternal soul and are fearfully and wonderfully made. God must have special affinity for dust because he made so much of it. God remembers your weakness, which is why he revealed to the Apostle Paul his divine use for weakness. If you take a note, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Paul is praying for God to remove the thorn in his flesh. Take this from me. Now, understand this. Paul, it wasn't one of those little bullfrog prayers where Paul just popped down and said, Lord, take this thorn away and jumped up. No, Paul three different times had had a season of prayer and fasting, beseeching God to remove his thorn in the flesh. You say, what was the thorn in his flesh? You ought to see how many different opinions there are on that. You know what it is? It's your thorn in the flesh. That's why God left it vague. So, God, so Paul's saying, Father, three times, I, I prayed to remove this thorn in the flesh from me. Listen to God's response. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Notice this, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Dust is always weak. Dust is always weak. It's not an excuse. It's a fact. However, God is searching for dust people to willfully surrender weakness as their opportunity for his strength to be manifested to his glory. So I encourage you to pray something along these lines. Heavenly Father, as you remember my being dust, I volunteer my weakness, including my forgetfulness. I volunteer my weakness, including my forgetfulness, through which... May you manifest your strength. And by the way, I may be overqualified. Amen. Time and again, Israel forgot God. Though he sent justice, God never forgot his covenant with Israel. And I love how Exodus 2, 25, 24 and 25, Exodus 2, 24 and 25, but 25 in particular, I love how it ends, the verse ends. Listen to this. And God heard their groaning, verse 24, and God remembered, there he is remembering, his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Listen to verse 25. Only time in the Bible. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. K-N-E-W. God knew. I love that. I, I just, that is so, that is so cool. God knew. God always knows. He knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our forgetfulness. He knows where we are dust. 
And in the process, he remembers mercy. Time and time and time and time again. You've never probably, maybe some of you, have ever heard uh, years ago, uh, Robert Ingersoll was, great, was a well-known atheist all over the United States. He used to give speeches and people by the thousands would come and he would ridicule God and he would ridicule Christians and he would have Christians come on the stage to debate him and shred them and he would ridicule the Bible time and time again. And he said, took out his pocket watch. That's what they had then. He took out his pocket watch. He said, if there is a God, I give you five minutes to strike me dead. And he clicked his watch. And of course the crowd were sitting there with anticipation and he never fell dead. Later someone told Charles Spurgeon, the prince of the pulpiteers, one of the greatest Preachers that has ever probably possibly one of the greatest preachers that ever lived in our lifetime, or, or wasn't our lifetime, but in the in the 1800s, they told him about that. He shook his head and he said that Ingersoll think he could exhaust the mercy of God in five minutes. Christian, listen to me. You can't exhaust the mercy of God in 50 lifetimes. His mercies are new every morning. That's Sharon see. Faithfulness evident every night. That's the God we serve. And just as a bonus, please write down Isaiah 49, 15, and 16. Listen to his, God's response to his wayward children. Verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? The obvious, that's a rhetorical question God asks. Of course, no. Even these may forget. Listen to this carefully. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. You thought it was impressive because grandmama put your picture on the refrigerator. Nothing, nothing. I looked up that, that word in, in the Hebrew, engraved. It, it means pierced. You want me to take it for you? Okay, here it is. When Jesus Christ looks at the holes in his hands, he thinks of you. When Jesus Christ looks at the holes in his hands, he thinks of you. I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. <laughs> Finally, our remembrance, and this is short, stay with me. Perhaps Ecclesiastes 12.1 speaks to youth partially because their memory is still strong when it says this, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. You say, oh, it's kind of a, kind of a bummer, isn't it? No, no. What we older ones know that the younger ones only suspect is this. Old age ain't for sissies. Now that's bad grammar, but that's real truth. You know, when I was a little boy, I'd, I'd look in the mirror and I'd look at my body and I'd say, that's me, that's me. I don't do that anymore. I look at my body sometimes and say, there's my enemy. 
you know, give me all these aches and pains and grunts and noises and heaven's sakes. Embarrass me like you do? You know, King David wrote that. I got to just throw this. King David wrote that song when he was, when he was older. And I think sometimes David wrote that when he says, Oh, my soul, remember God. I think David saying, you know, uh, boy, this is getting to be a problem. You know, he said, go get Bethesda. Who? Uh, what's her name? Bathsheba. Go get Bathsheba. Yeah, and, and tell, her, tell her to bring Salami with him. Who? The boy. Oh, Solomon, yes. He's saying, my gracious, I'm forgetting everything. Let me write down a psalm about this. Forget not all his benefits. David says, if you forget everything else, if you forget those around you, remember God. Remember God. Prioritize a strong relationship with Christ at whatever age you are now in, and especially in your youth. Give him the strength of your youth. You will never regret it. One last point about that. I have found this to be true in life. And I think maybe many of you have too. If you have a talent, if you have a gift, give it to God. You know what's going to happen? You say, oh, no, I, 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 you know, I want to be, be a singer in a rock and roll band. Do so to the glory of God. I want to be an actor in Hollywood. Do so to the glory of God. I want to be a politician. Well, do you really? But, <laughs> but if you must, <laughs> do so to the glory of God. Whatever you do, whatever your hands find to do, commit it to God. Let me tell you what happens. When you give him a gift, you know what he always does? He, he gives it back after he blesses it. I know some of you here know what I'm talking about. You say, I surrendered my gift to God and he has blessed it. Let me say one other thing about that. If you've never had this thought, there are probably a million people in, uh, in, the, in the earth eventually over time, since man, since Adam, that have had this thought. If I tell God I'll do anything he wants me to do, he'll have me on the first boat to Africa as a missionary. You ever had that thought? Don't answer, don't answer. For heaven's sakes, don't answer. But... I've had that thought. I remember, you know, thinking I, I give God, I'll give God almost everything, but I just can't say do what you want. I don't know what he'll do. That's a lack of trust in God, by the way. Listen to me carefully. Heard a missionary say this. Blessed my heart. He said, listen to me carefully. If you say that and you give your heart to God, if, if he wants you in Africa as a missionary, if you miss the boat, you'll swim to Africa. You'll want to be there so bad. When we have the missions conference, I want you to, some of you, just go up and ask any of those missionaries. Ask all of them. Do you feel like it's a burden for you to be a missionary? Each one of them is going to say, a burden? It's a calling. It's a blessing. Wow. I couldn't do anything else. And listen to me carefully. And if there's any missionaries out there, this applies to you. Listen to me carefully. If you can be anything but a missionary, quit. If you can be anything but a pastor, quit. Because you're not called to it. But I can assure you, if you're called to it, there's nothing on earth you'll do except that. And it's so wonderful. I'm going to give you one final thought. We're going to close in prayer. 
What was it Jesus said when he established the Lord's Supper? He gave us this instruction. This do, what? In remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. He knew. He made us. He knew we would forget. Lest we forget Gethsemane. Lest we forget your agony. Lest we forget your immeasurable love for us, O Lord. Lead us to always remember you in the sacraments, in prayer, in life, to your glory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord today. It's, it's so good for Donna and I to be in here because normally we're out in the parking lot. have been out there, I think, for close to 90 different Sundays. We look forward to getting back in here with our brothers and sisters on a regular basis, and the time will come. Father, as Sean and I were praying this morning and as part of the prayer, uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, including COVID, including cancer, including whatever anyone in the sound of my voice is going through. Because Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And thank you for this time. Plant your word deep, deep, deep in our hearts. And please do this as we surrender our weakness to you and including our forgetfulness. Would you, by your grace, equip us not to forget you. In Jesus' name, amen.